Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Caves, where calling comes to life. All of us have a purpose. God's given you a purpose for your life, and, and uh, we call that a calling. And if you're ever going to fulfill it, there's four different caves that you're going to have to go into at one time or another in your life. And so we're looking at those four caves. Of course, we're looking at them metaphorically. And we've already looked at two that David had to go into. Um, the cave of character, that was lesson one. The cave of comfort, lesson two. This is lesson three. And next week, we get to take a look at a cave that Moses had to go into. And it's an incredible, very unique, very special cave. But today, we're looking at a cave that Elijah the prophet had to go into. And it's an amazing an amazing cave. I'm calling it the cave of courage. And you and I, at one time or another in our lives, are gonna have to run into that cave. And it just reminded me of a part of my life back in the beginning of Believers. I was 24 years old. I started Believers, Gina and I. And I remember our first financial crisis. And when you start a church, the first couple years, there's a lot of financial crises. And that's just when you have more bills and you have money. And I remember uh, you know, asking God to help, doing my prayer thing, and I just dealt with something that I'd never dealt with before in my life. It was this tormenting fear. And the way it worked was, this is morning, night, lay my head down to go to sleep, wake up. It was just these thoughts of fear that you're going to fail, the church is going to have to close, you're not going to make it. And it just kept coming at me and kept coming at me, and I wasn't sure how to handle it at the time. And eventually God came through anyway, and our needs were met. I remember the second time I went ahead and prayed and, and said, God, we need your help again. And no, another financial crisis. And I had still torment, not as bad. And it was still there, and that fear is still coming at me, but not like the, the first time. And then eventually God came through, and it was like, yeah. And I remember the third time we had a financial crisis. This is all in the first five years, guys. Uh, we had a financial crisis. And uh, it was so much easier. I just remember praying and saying, God, we need your help. And I had hardly any fear at all. Once in a while, not much. And God came through. And I remember the fourth time we had a financial crisis. And I just remember saying, God, we need your help again. And not even thinking about it again. And not having any fear whatsoever. And I had to learn by just chance what I'm going to teach you today. I was actually getting into the cave of courage and didn't know what I was doing. But here's my big idea. This is what I want you to walk out understanding more clearly than ever. It goes like this. The fearless know who God is. And if you know who God is, you will come to a place to where you're fearless. List. And there's a cool story in the book of Daniel. Daniel's talking about the future. He's talking about this Antichrist character. And whatever you believe about him, uh, he's just talking about there's going to come a day when a bunch of people are going to be hooked up with this guy. And I love how he says this. It's, it's in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. And he says this, he will flatter those who hate the things of God and win them over to his side. So those are going to be a lot of people on planet earth. But then the next half of the verse says this, but the people who know their God shall be strong and do great things. Now notice it's talking about knowing God. The word strong is translated eight other times in, in, in the Bible as courageous. And it's just talking about how courage is connected to knowing God. And when you know God, 
it brings this thing called courage or it pushes fear out of your life. So here's a scripture I believe God wants to come through for every one of you that are listening, all right? This is a really amazing scripture. Here's where he wants to bring all of us in every area of our life, Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as a lion. God wants you to roar as you go through the storms of life. Just like a lion does, it looks in the face of adversity and roars. It has no fear. God wants to bring us to that place. And Elijah was pretty bold in most areas of his life, just like you and I are. Sometimes we're fearless in one area because we know God in that area. Then something else hits us. It's the first time, and that fear comes again, and we need to know God and know what God says and what God wants to do in that area of our life. So he has that type of problem. And let me just set you up. Ahab is king of Israel. He's a terrible, terrible king. And he marries this lady named Jezebel, and her name you know, is famous. We use it still to this day, right? And she was an idol worshiper. She worshiped Baal and Asherah, all the different types of idols that God said, I don't want my people to worship. And so she turned King Ahab towards all those things. And she was putting to death the prophets of Israel, the true prophets of God. They were, a bunch of them were hiding in caves. Elijah's not around, he hears about it, and he comes to confront Ahab. So he's pretty courageous there, right? And he says to Ahab, he says, hey, Let's just settle this once and for all. Let's bring all the prophets of Baal and Asherah out and let's have a contest. There's 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. He says, let's just have a contest. They build an altar, I build an altar. You put a sacrifice on yours, I'll put one on mine. And whoever's God is God will light that sacrifice by bringing fire out of heaven. And and, uh, Ahab said, it's on. And the prophets of Baal and Asherah, they come out. They begin to scream. They go first. And they're screaming, God, you know, Baal and Asherah, we want you to bring fire out of heaven. And they're screaming and nothing's happening. And then they begin to cut themselves, which was their custom. And their God still isn't answering. And Elijah became the first trash talker in the Bible. He began to trash talk them. And he's saying things like, Oh, maybe your God's asleep. Maybe your God is tired and he had to take a little nappy. Maybe you better scream louder so he can hear you. And then he said, oh, maybe your God's deaf and he needs his ears healed, you know? And he's just trashing them and they're going on and they're going on and they become so tired, they just give up. So then Elijah says, all right, he gets stones, he builds an altar, puts the sticks on, brings the sacrifice there. He says, this is, this is just too easy. And he had him pour water on it three times. They soaked it. They filled up the trenches with water. And here's what he does. He says, God, would you please bring fire down from heaven and burn this sacrifice up? And guys, it wasn't a bolt of lightning. It was a continuous flame that came. The Bible says it was so hot that it burned the stones. You know how hot it has to be to burn stones? Burned all the wood, burned the sacrifice, evaporated all the water, and then everybody in Israel who were leaning towards Baal and Asherah, they're watching. They began to cheer on Elijah, and they began to cheer God on. And then Elijah said, let's put these prophets to death. They killed 850 of those false prophets. And Ahab like the wimpy guy he was, went back and cried to his wife. And here's what happened, guys. It goes like this, 1 Kings 19.1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. And here's her response. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. In other words, I'm gonna kill you by this time tomorrow. 
Now you think Elijah would just say, bring it on, Jesse, bring it on. But <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't say that. And it's just like you and I, he saw God do so many incredible things. He knew God in so many areas. But now the queen of Israel has all the soldiers, all the army says, I'm gonna come and these soldiers are gonna find you and they're gonna kill you. He's dealing with a new problem and we're like that a lot when we deal with new problems. But you would think he wouldn't have been afraid because up to this point, he prayed and he asked God to shut the heavens and for three and a half years, there was no rain. Then there was this great famine that came. So God says, go to the brook. He goes to the brook and then God has ravens. Think about this, morning and night, ravens come with steak in their beaks and they feed him steak. They're stealing it off some king somewhere and they're, they're feeding him steak, eating in the morning and at night. And then the brook dries up. God says, go see a widow. Tell her to make you a pancake. If she makes you a pancake, I'll make sure her flour and her oil never run dry. She makes the pancake. He eats it. The flour and the oil never run dry for the rest. Some, most scholars think that was another three years that he just, every time they took flour, it filled up. Every time she took oil, it filled up. Talk about miracles. And then this widow's son died and he prayed and God raised the son from the dead and then he just had fire come from heaven. So you think he would just say, bring it on. But here's what he did. First Kings 19 and three, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. He wasn't just a little bit anxious. He wasn't a little bit ringing. He ran for his life life. He's running and God met him and did some cool things while he's running. But he ran to the cave of Horeb, which is also called Sinai. It's on Mount Horeb, Mount Sinai, same, same mountain. They call it different names in the Bible. He ran into this cave and here's what happens. Verse nine. There he went into a cave and spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you so wimpy? Why are you here in fear? Here's what he says. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. This, isn't that how it is with us? Guys, Israel just turned back to God after he had fire come down from heaven. So uh, our perspective can be really warped when something hits us that's bigger than we're used to and that fear comes and we begin to see things that are not accurate and that's what's happening in his life. He's not seeing things clearly at this point. And so I wanna show you what happened in this cave and what God had to show him. And I'm just gonna show you four things that if you run into this cave of courage, the cave of Horeb, if you run into this cave, this is what God will do in your life when it comes to boldness and being fearless because the fearless know who God is. Here's the first one. We have to come to the place where we understand God is your answer. God is not your problem. When I was a young Christian, first, I don't know, three years or so of my Christianity, whenever I had a bad thing happen in my life, guess what I did? I either blamed God or the devil, but I wasn't sure. And you know, if you read the, New Test the Old Testament, it can confuse you because in the Old Testament, God brought a lot of judgment on his people. And so, you know, I wasn't sure and I didn't have the understanding of the two covenants and how we're in a new covenant and Jesus took the judgment in our covenant and he's the one that was judged and God's not gonna bring bad things into our life. And I didn't understand that, so I blame God. And you have to come to a place in your life where you understand God is your answer, not your problem. You'll never have fear leave your life until you settle that issue in your heart, God is 
the answer. So God's going to try to help him see it. Listen to verse 11, 1 Kings 19, 11. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And uh, he doesn't go out. You'll see it in a few verses down. He's so afraid he just goes out to where he can see outside of the cave. Verse 11 goes on to say, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. When your life gets blown around and blown apart, you've got to understand God's not in that. Listen to the second half, verse 11. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. When your life's being shaken up, God's not in that. That's not God. Listen to verse 12. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And that's where God was in the gentle whisper. And there's a couple truths I want to make sure we pull out of this, guys. Pretty cool. Do you know God's never going to lead you by problems? And when something bad happens in your life, you don't want to say, well, this is happening over here and this is going wrong. So God might not want me to go this way. I'm going to shift directions. If you think that way, the enemy will lead you wherever he wants you to go. God's going to whisper in your heart. He's going to lead you by the Holy Spirit. And that's really important. God's also wanting him to see that I'm not the one causing problems. I'm the one that's whispering the answers. And I like what happened after that, verse 13. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? We gotta deal with this fear thing. So he's still in the cave. He comes out now all the way out. And the first thing we have to understand, God is our answer. So I wanna, I wanna help us. I know we all come from different backgrounds and I know Again, we become confused sometimes with the Bible, the Old and the New Testament. So let's just talk about for a minute where bad things come from. Where do they come from? And who do we blame for them? Now understand, in the Old Testament, if you read it, you'll notice God judged his people. God did some judgment on his people. But when you accepted Jesus, you entered into a new covenant. He took your judgment upon him and someday we'll stand before God and he'll judge our lives and how we lived and he'll reward us. But when you have problems in your life, that is not God bringing those problems into your life. But let me show you where they come from. Uh, first of all, our enemy. We do have an enemy. He is out to get us. He can stir people up and cause people to do things and attack us. And they don't even know they're doing it sometimes. He puts thoughts in their minds. We have an enemy. He's always plotting against us. And then the broken earth. The broken earth is the earthquakes and, you know, the forest fires and the tornadoes and the hurricanes. That's not God. Adam's sin and the earth is broke. We go to God for help if those things try to destroy our lives. And then here's number three, bad choices. And, and I've had a lot of things happen in my life because of bad choices I've made. And that's not God. That's me walking down the wrong street and getting into trouble because I'm, I'm over here where I shouldn't be and I made some bad choices. You know where you go when you made a bad choice and trouble comes into your life? You go to the throne of grace and ask God for mercy in the time of need. He'll help you. You say, God, I'm wrong. God, I want to get back right. And I'm just coming to you. But he's not the one causing it. It's your bad choice. It's the enemy that's bringing it because you went down the wrong road. And here's number four, bad people. We all know what that is, right? They're everywhere and it seems like they're becoming worse. And then number five is imperfect people. And I have hurt people by making mistakes. You've hurt people by making mistakes. 
and all of us have been hurt by people who are imperfect and do things that maybe they shouldn't do, but here's where I want to bring us. It's not God. And it's really interesting in the book of James, the first chapter, God is dealing with people that are going through some really tough persecution, a lot of problems. And I like what he says here in James 1.16. So don't be misled, dear brothers or fellow Christians, because it's easy to be misled. Then he makes this bold statement. But whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God, the creator of all light. He shines forever without change or shadow. God wants to bring good things in your life. God is your answer. Here's, here's the second. God is able. I love this one. Do you know there's nothing too big for God? Just nothing that's too big for him. Now, I'm, I'm on this kick this year, and it's just, it's just me. I, just, I had it on my heart. I want to read the Bible through five times this year. And so you have, to, you have to go fast. So I finished it one time on March the 10th, and now I'm, I'm already on es, Esther. And uh, so I'm getting almost to the halfway point again. And I just, I either listen to it or I read it, but when I listen, I'm really focused. I'm not just daydreaming. And it's just, here, here's why I'm saying it. One of the things that stands out is that God is absolutely the most awesome, powerful individual being. He's God. There's nothing he can't do. And he does some incredibly crazy things. He defies nature. And that's your God. And you and I need to come to a place where we realize God is able. Whatever you're dealing with, God is able. And I like how Jesus said it. He said it here in Mark 10, 27. Jesus looked at them intently and said, humanly speaking, it is impossible. He goes on to say, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. And everything means everything. So the context plus anything else you can throw at it, everything is possible with God. So God is your answer. God is able. And I love this third one. It's a real doozy. God is with you. He's with you. This is really important. I'm going to share a story. This happened two years ago with my grandson, Joey. Uh, he's nine now, so he would have been about seven. And I was telling him, hey, when I was a kid, I spent a lot of times in the woods behind our house, and I would make homemade bows and arrows. And he was fascinated. He had just gotten a plastic one for a gift with the rubber tip, you know, on the arrows. And I said, we'd make homemade ones out of wood, and, and I'd find the right branches, the right little trees, make my bows. And he said, Poppy, I want to go in the woods. I want you to show me how to make one. So we set a day to go, and we're all ready. We're on the driveway. I have my knife. We're going to cut trees and I have my string. We're going to make bows. And it was so exciting. And then he looked at me and said, Poppy, do you have your gun? I said, no, it's locked up in my gun safe. We don't need a gun. He goes, Poppy, there's coyotes in your woods. And he had heard how a coyote ate our neighbor's dog. <laughs> the kids are always listening when you talk, you know. And he hears us say we hear them, you know, howling at night. And so he goes, Bobby, I'm not going in there unless you get your gun. And I said, Joe, I said, they will not attack an adult. They're afraid of me. Plus, I have a knife. We're okay. He goes, Poppy, I'm not going in unless you go get your gun. And he would not go in. So I said, I'm going to go get my gun. I opened my safe, put my little nine millimeter in my pocket. I do have a concealed carry, so it was legal. And uh, I put it in my pocket. And he, when he saw I had my gun, he said, let's go, Poppy. And he, he just goes running into that woods. 
He was so confident because he knew my gun with, was with me. But guys, can we all agree that God's more powerful than any gun we could ever have in our pocket? And when, when, when you and I know God is with us, it's gonna give us uh, just this courage to face every coyote that could ever come into our life, right? All the crazy coyotes of life. And it's gonna give us that just courage to say, I don't care what comes at me, God is stronger than whatever could ever come at me because God is with me. Now, here's a cool Bible story. We'll read a verse in a moment. But Joshua is now the leader of Israel. Moses just died. They have to go into the promised land and they have to take down all these incredibly strong nations. And the first battle is with Jericho. And the city of Jericho was a walled city. Archaeologists tell us the walls were so wide that they had houses built in the walls. And they also did chariot races around the walls of the city. So we're talking about some thick walls. Israel, the technology, they had no ability to knock those walls down. The whole city was inside the walls. And so he has to face enemies like that and he just took over, and then there's still giants in the land, there's incredibly big and strong militaries that are there, and so God wants to encourage him, because like you and I, he's dealing with something for the first time, he has some fear coming at him, and I love the way God deals with his fear, Joshua 1.9, he says, yes, be bold and strong, banish fear and doubt, for remember, the Lord your God is with you wherever you Go. And there's just something that sets you free when you know God is with me. God is your answer, God is able, and God is with us. And then this fourth one is how we release it all, and it goes like this. God is waiting. He's waiting for you to ask him to help. And he shows us how to do it in the Bible, and it's just one of the most remarkable, powerful things. I've watched it work. It, it's, it's supernatural in how it works. And it's just absolutely amazing. So I'm gonna read the first verse. Many of you know it. Some of you can quote it. It's Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious or fearful about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Now, verse seven, we're not gonna read it yet, but it begins with the word and, which means verse seven is a result of doing verse six. So if you do verse six, verse seven automatically happens. We'll read it in a moment. But let's just talk about verse six. When fear comes into your life, here's what God's saying. He's saying, pray, ask me to help. But then he says this, with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving means you believe he heard you. You can't thank him if you don't have it. But he's saying, I want you to pray and I want you to thank me like I already gave it to you. And that's really, how, how do you do that? And I'm gonna show you how to do it. So some of you are wondering, shouldn't I say if it be thy will? I, I think there's sometimes when we pray where we need to say that. Jesus did, remember in the garden? He said, Father, if this cup can pass from me, the cup of death, dying on the cross, he said, please let it pass. But then he said, not my will, your will be done. When it comes to what you're going to do with your life and the direction you're gonna go in your life, yeah, you need to say, not my will, but your will be done. That's important. But when it comes to something God's already promised you, and God already said, I, I, I paid for this through Jesus' death, then it's not wondering whether or not it's his will. So let me give you an example. I used the story up front of you know, four financial crises when we first started the church. God has promised every Christian, here's what he says. He says, the Bible says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. 
That's a promise to every Christian. Now, guys, listen to this. My God shall supply all your needs, not according to where you live, not according to who you are, not according to the time you live in. My God shall supply all your needs unless you live in Trumbull County, Mahoning County, Columbiana County. My God shall supply all your needs unless you're in Northeast Ohio. No, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. It comes from him. He's the God supplier of all your needs. So the Bible promises you that. So if you have a need in your life and you pray and you say, God, I have a need, does he want to answer it or not? Well, he already said, I want to answer it. And so you already know that. That's what Jesus was speaking of when he talked in Mark eleven twenty four. 24. He said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, this is for you, not for someone else. Their will gets involved when it's them. But whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it. I think that's interesting. He says you have to believe you received it or I, I want to give it to you before you'll ever get it. He says you can't have it till you believe you receive it. So you have to believe you receive it before you get it. So you'll never get it till you believe you got it. So if you want to get it, you have to believe you've got it. Did you get it? Is, does it make sense, guys? With thanksgiving. So here's what's so cool about it. Here's what's so cool about it. You pray that prayer and you thank God because you, you, know, you, you have to find out what he's promised. And with the technology, the guy, it, it, guys, it's so easy. You don't have to go to a store. You don't have to buy a promise book. Just put promises of God on a Google search and every promise in the Bible is going to come up. So how easy is that? You don't even have to go buy something, right? It's all free. You can find out every category for what God promises and you can pray your prayer. And here's the result of praying and knowing God heard you, knowing God wants to help you. Verse seven, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding standing will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is the opposite of fear. And I love the word transcend. You know what it means? It means to supersede. What's it going to supersede? Your understanding. You know what your understanding is? It's good. God gave it to you for a reason, right? It's the part of you that can say two plus two equals four. That's what it equals, right? So Elijah, here, here's his understanding. Jezebel has a whole army backing her and she has enough soldiers to come and kill me. Um, I don't have a job. I need a job. I have this bill. I have that bill. I don't have the resources. That's two plus two. But notice you're praying and asking God to get involved. And when you ask God to get involved because he made you a promise and you thank him, here's what happens. This supernatural peace comes up and it literally brings total calm to your mind and it protects you from fear. And let me tell you what else is going to happen. A day's going to pass, two days going to pass, and you don't see the answer you prayed for. So fear is going to try to come on you. You don't have to pray again. Here's what you do. You just thank God again that he heard you. And it's amazing. Every time you begin to thank him for what he promised, for what he, what, what he, he answered when you pray, it just causes fear to go. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Guys, listen, listen. God is your answer. God is able God is with you. God is waiting. The fearless know who God is. I think TCI guys, Boardman, Warren, can we just give it up and thank God for his promises and how awesome he is? You're awesome, Lord God. You're awesome. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Father, I throw out a lot in a message, and we're so glad for technology. Everybody can go back and look at that whole PowerPoint and look it over again and 
read those scriptures, Father, and remind themselves of what you just spoke to their hearts. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Some of you are dealing with extreme fear right now. And I want to encourage you to begin to practice what you heard in this lesson. And you might be like me. The first time might be a little tougher, the second time, but eventually you're going to come to a place where you know who God is. And the fearless, they know who God is. That's what makes them fearless. And so heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I just want you to be able to just let God know, hey, I'm going to begin to look those promises up. I'm going to begin to pray and give these things to you and stop worrying about them myself. I'm going to begin to remind myself that you're the answer, you're able, and you're with me. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. TCI Warren Borman, we're praying. Maybe you walked in today and you're not sure of your forever, your salvation. You might have walked in wondering if God even exists. And I'm so glad you're here. We're glad you're with us. It's so exciting to have you with us. And as our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I want to ask you to listen for a moment. Jesus came, as we talked about in the Lord's Supper. He came to die so we can live. And the Bible teaches us only God can make that real to you, so I can't make it real to you, but he, the Bible says if I talk about it, God can make it real in you. So that's why I'm talking about it for a moment. He gave his life so you can live. And he said, whoever calls on my name, I will save them. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father unless they go through me. Jesus. And maybe you're listening today and you say, I'm ready for Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus. I'm ready to make him my savior. If you're listening and that's you, I'd like you to pray with me right now. TCI, Borman, Warren, let's, let's all pray. Can we pray loud enough for them to hear us, those of us that know Jesus? And let's just help them out. If you're praying it for the first time, simply mean it. And just say this after me. Say, Lord God, I want to thank you for Jesus. And Jesus, I look to you right now. I believe that you died for my sins. And this day, I accept you as Savior. And I make a decision to follow you. Amen. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.